You like this girl, don't you? Yes. Yes, it's uh, it was a strange thing when at last it happens. And uh, <laughs> she's marrying someone else. Oh, that's a little lovely. That's absolutely <laughs> lovely, Carl. Well, I thought I'd wanted to get us in the spirit of. I uh, wanted to make up movie. for. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought I'd, I'd get a real nice British accent going. Uh, welcome, welcome to Second Best Picture Podcast. I'm Kyle Radford, and I'm Brandon McMahon. Brandon, what do we do here? This here is Second Best Picture Podcast. What we do is we take a single year of a movie that was produced, and it's important when we say this year, like right now, we're covering 1994. Those are films that came out in 1994. So if you go and you look at the Oscars for 94, you're going to see the 93 movies. So you want to go to the episode or the, the ceremony that was done in 95. But we take the best picture nominees each week. We dissect one of the films and then we're going to wrap it all up with a I don't know. I'm going to say the Oscar special episode where we say, what did they get right? What did they get wrong? What did they miss completely? And we will force our opinions upon the masses when we do that, Kyle. Yeah, that's what we've been good at. That was nice and concise, Brandon. Good job. We don't Thanks, buddy. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, welcome to the podcast. You can follow us on Facebook, on Instagram. We're Second Best Picture. Uh, we have a YouTube channel now, so check out Second Best Picture on YouTube. Um, you can actually even email us. We're so fancy. They gave us an email ad- uh, address. It's secondbestpicture at gmail.com. So check us out. Um, you can find us, you know, anywhere podcast. If you're already listening to this, then you found a way to listen to us. So congratulations. But, you know, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, and all your coworkers. Uh, we'd love to love to have everybody listening. So um, we are smack dab in the middle. Well, we're we're kind of starting to round out 1994 a little bit, aren't we? Mm-hmm. We've we've gone through uh, Shawshank Redemption and Quiz Show and Forrest Gump, and mm-hmm. now we're we've gone across the pond. And this <laughs> this week we're going to be doing four weddings and a funeral, which is pretty exciting. Uh, looking at a, a, a little bit of a rom com, you know? Which yeah, it's not it's a, a change. Of, it's a change. This is a change it's, from what we've been doing. Um, yes, it was week to week. So yeah, the 1994's uh, rom romantic comedy directed by Mike Newell and with a screenplay by Richard Curtis. Uh, Richard Curtis, who you know did uh, Notting Hill and Bridget Jones' Diary, and of course wrote and directed Love Actually, which is really what I know him from. Um, he also did the movie About Time. You ever seen About Time? I've not. I, it's pretty. Good. I heard about that. Is it good? Yeah, I liked I, it. I liked. I it. don't know. It's so funny to me um, that he, Mike Richard Curtis has a definite style. Yeah, he's he's all about the dialogue, but he's all about the. He loves awkward humor. You know, you're watching a movie, you're like, okay, this is definitely a Richard Curtis vehicle. I know exactly what we're doing here. And <laughs> chances are it's going to have Hugh Grant too. Yeah, that's <laughs> our true. leading man. But yeah, definitely. He was a, he, he was a writer. He wrote uh, like the Black Adder uh, stuff mm-hmm. on the BBC. I don't know if you've ever watched Black Adder. It's pretty good mm-hmm. with, uh, with Rowan Atkinson. And okay. uh, that's a good one. Um, yeah. And then it stars, of course, Hugh Grant. This was his big coming out party really to the States. And mm-hmm. Andy McDowell. Mm-hmm. Uh, Simon Callow, John Hanna, Kristen Scott 
Thomas, James Fleet, just a bunch of really talented actors in this. Uh, not really actors that had done a lot. I mean, I think. Well, they were babies. I mean, they were so young watching I mean, this thing. You look at their IMDb. It's a lot of British TV before yeah. this, except for Andy mm-hmm. McDowell, who had already done Sex Lies and Videotapes. Uh, the player the come out. Yet? Groundhog Day had come out. Yeah. yeah. So she like she she was like a name. She was an established name going into this. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, this was definitely I mean, if you'd said who's Hugh Grant, it would have been that sniveling nephew in um, Remains of the Day before this film. Oh, yeah. He's great I, in that role. I mean, it, that, have you ever seen the movie? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's fantastic. Um, but he's a blink and you miss him role in that thing. Really? I, I I was shocked how young he was. Like, I forgot. I forgot this Hugh Grant, like this mm-hmm. baby faced young Hugh Grant. Um, but the movie uh, takes place in uh, London, around London. It was um, had a budget of four point four million dollars. I'm converting from pounds. <laughs> and a uh, worldwide box office gross of over $245 million. So this movie made a ton of money and was insanely popular. It was everywhere in 94. And I know we said that about our last picture, but this one was huge. This is like parent date night of 1994. You mm-hmm. went and saw Four Weddings and a Funeral. Yeah, Definitely. absolutely. I remember people talking about this movie. Um, yeah. A little bit about it. Richard Curtis, like we said, he wrote the screenplay. He started writing it. Uh, a little, you know, get some IMDb facts out there. He started writing it when he was in his early 30s. We realized he'd attended 65 weddings in an 11-year period, which, my God, that sounds terrible. I can't even fathom that. I thought when the three of you all got married in two year period, I had, I had it rough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wonder how, I wonder how many of those he was in, you know? I don't know. And di- here's my thing. Did he give the same thing? Like if he had a friend group and they're like, Oh, he's got the silver spoons again with the spoons. Stop it, Richard. Jeez. I always tried to get something for the guy, you know, when I yeah, would go to I, those, when I was oh, a, me too. a single man going mm-hmm. to those, uh, yeah. Try to get, but I can't, I don't even remember what I got them. I'm sure it was awful. Like I need my wife. They're like, no, I, I understand that the Sterling candlesticks aren't exciting, but that's what they <laughs> asked for. So that's what we need to get them. I know you don't want to get them a duvet cover, but we're getting them a duvet cover. <laughs> you gave me a very nice whiskey glass set and the ice cube trays that make the special cubes for my whiskey. So did I, I think you, my liver's got some quibbles, but no, I have you, no you memory stand up, buddy. I'm sure yeah. Caleb yelled at me from the other room. Are you okay if we get this for the McMens? <laughs> <laughs> Answer uh, her yes. <laughs> uh, the script, I think his girlfriend at the time was a script editor or something like that. So she made him rewrite this thing 19 times. Um, and and it was up. then nominated for best original screenplay. So that's, uh, yeah, I guess it, it was worth it. Um, they got, did they get married? I think I they did. Because she, she has a role in the film. Did you know that? Uh, well, I know Mike Newell's wife's in the film. She's the lady at the antique shop. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of Mike Newell's wife. Never mind. Bad. Yeah. Okay. Bad um, factoid there. Little casting. Uh, Alex Jennings was originally cast as Charles, but then funding fell through a couple years before it came out. Um, and they had to, they kind of lost him and, and ended up bringing Hugh Grant and, uh, Richard Curtis wanted Alan Rickman, but he was mm-hmm. kind of outvoted on that. And Rickman wouldn't even audition. I, I, I was listening to an interview with Richard Curtis and he was talking about how, you know, the editor and Mike Newell and him all took a vote and they voted for Hugh Grant and he voted for Alan Rickman. But then I was reading later and it was like Alan Rickman also wouldn't audition. So it yeah. seems like it doesn't matter how that vote turned out. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't going to it wasn't going to happen. 
Um, he wanted Orson Welles, but couldn't get him either in 94, yeah. too. So it was a weird time for them. Yes, definitely. And a running theme with our movies, uh, the biggest star took points and a pay cut to make get mm-hmm. this made because the budget was so slim. And so Andy McDowell made a ton of money off of this because she took points. Like, yes. If, that- once I star in that, that uh, movie, the biopic of the late John Ritter, um, that's, that's, I'm thinking that's going to be my starring vehicle. Oh, when I do okay. that, I'm taking percentage points. Well, I um, yeah, I I don't know what to say. I'm lost <laughs> on the idea of you playing John Ritter, <laughs> and it has nothing to do with the fact you never acted. I mean, is your physical comedy up for those chops, buddy? Oh that's... my, are you kidding me? Have you seen Have you seen this? I'm practically Dick Van Dyke. I'm that people often refer to me as this generation's Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> I guess they should refer to me as this generation's John Ritter, but. <laughs> moving on dick's still around um it did really well though when it came out in the states i remember Mm -hmm. i i do remember the premiere and um like elizabeth hurley getting a lot of press and then it premiered so well or it did so well like it opened like five screens that they sunk another 11 million dollars into advertising and tv spots and so i mean it paid off again a ton of money this thing made Absolutely. I read that there was um, the one of the producers said they got really lucky because it just turns out that Hugh Grant is every bit as charming in real life as he is in this movie. And he was doing press out the yin yang because I mean, it was his only big thing and it was going great. And they just kept pushing and pushing it. So every interview, he was just going in and dazzling people. And that just fed the beast of what he was going to be and how great this movie was and the popularity. Go see it again. You you'll yeah. miss, you missed the good scenes and all that stuff. So it was just a perpetuating cycle of fame and and cash back for the producers i guess well then he talks about it you know he you get this he didn't like it he didn't like the movie uh especially the first cut and then i don't think he he didn't really get it i think he thought it should have been a lot more broader humor which it wasn't it's not like Mm -hmm. joke 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 it's very grounded in real life which is mike newell i think you see that in a mike newell directed richard curtis movie versus a richard curtis directed richard curtis movie you know I, I'll we'll we'll talk about this, but uh, you know I I didn't I hadn't seen this movie before, and I assumed it was going to be a lot more like Love Actually, yeah, um, yeah. just because of that's really what I know him from, mm-hmm. and so I was expecting that, and I was really surprised that that it it wasn't like that, um, yeah. And then the last thing I wanted to say is, uh, you know, it was nominated for Best Picture, Best Screenplay. Obviously, it didn't win either, um, but. It won, it like swept at the BAFTAs. This movie yes. was beloved in its home country. Won mm-hmm. best film, best director, best actor, best supporting actress for Kristen Scott Thomas. And uh, Hugh Grant did win a Golden Globe for this. And, he did? Yeah. Hugh, best actor, musical or comedy. Um, Excellent. But, you know, that's Golden Globes. And he was hugely popular at the time. Those were, I listen, they're all popularity contests. But the Golden Globes yeah. is absolutely a popularity contest i especially think the comedy slash musical best actor one that's where they uh-huh. get really loosey-goosey yeah like they don't they're really like oh yeah okay we'll just nominate we'll give it to this guy for this thing well remember know. when uh uh matt damon won for the martian that yeah, and he was pissed. the the laugh riot <laughs> the martian <laughs> I mean, it it did give us the meme, though, about how much is the American government going to spend going after Matt Damon? Because like every five years we get a movie where America's got to go save him from something. What so, poor Matt's always getting himself into these scrapes. You know, Ben Affleck never shows up to help out his brother. either. Not like, once. Eh, it's not, not my once. problem. I've been doing this since childhood. When he gets to South, he call me. Other than that, I'm too busy for this nonsense. 
Uh, so that's my background. You got anything else you want to talk about kind of background before we uh, get the, into the actual movie? The only other thing is, is that um, you alluded to it on our um, fact teaser that Marissa Tomei was offered Carrie. Yeah. And she said no, because I think it was her grandfather was, he was mm-hmm. very, very soon to pass away. And she didn't want to be um, away from New York for that. She's still kicking herself. And it's apparently, really, oh, oh good. Well, I was going to say, it's interesting because also I think they offered it to Jean Triplehorn and she had like an ailing grandmother or her grandmother yeah. had just died and she turned it down. So a lot of sick or dead grandparents kept people from being in this movie. It was a real, a, a real, real problem in the early 90s. Nobody really tells you that when you go. So when you go into John Ritter, where you're on set, you check with your parents. That's all I'm saying, man. That's you, well, my all my grandparents parents. have sadly passed away. So I guess I'm, I, sorry, I'm free to take any role. Uh, <laughs> you're currently available for representation because <laughs> i've already checked that box so we're good um i was gonna say that i think they met with annie mcdowell when she was doing press for groundhog day yeah so or so. yeah yeah something like that so that's that's all i have for our rundown so kyle it's um we're not gonna buckle the tradition it's your week buddy i oh, want to know what do we got for a quick and dirty plot i gotta tell you as i was setting sitting down to record i remembered that it was my week And so here is what Kyle wrote right before. (laughs) A group of friends discuss love, sex, and not much else as they attend several weddings. While one of them, a charming bachelor named Charlie, pursues a woman he hooked up with at one of the weddings and knows very little about. A shocking death forces him to take stock of his life and decide if he's ready to settle down or if true love actually does exist. Also, Rowan Atkinson is a bumbling vicar in a completely separate movie. (laughs) That's beautiful, dude. I love it. I love <laughs> yours. I, I'll hit you up with the, the brief one for my MDB. Over the course of five social occasions, a committed bachelor must consider the notion that he may have discovered love in England. That's. I mean, that's I that last part. Yeah, that, just so you know I like yours because you shoehorn the term hooking up into a film review and you don't see that a lot, buddy. So hey, way to I mean, go. You know, I learned from the best. <laughs> <laughs> that Ebert was always talking about people hooking up. Yeah, he was a little on the crass side for me, but what are you, you going to do? <laughs> All right, my friend, it's time. Yeah, It's time for us to discuss 1994's Four Weddings and a Funeral. Well, um, I mean, we're talking about a relationship with it first, right? That's oh, right, right. Sorry. Usually, I'm excited. usually what we do. I mean, I've already said it. I'd never seen this. I don't have much. I don't have much to, to bring in. So your this. relationship is a week old. My relationship is a week old. Uh, I, I remember this movie coming out. Certainly, I remember it being huge, but an R-rated romantic comedy, like, I was I was never going to see that. Fair enough. Yeah. I remember the... I remember the conversation, actually. The biggest thing I remember about this movie, the conversation was um, the intro, when they say the F-word so many times, mm-hmm. I remember people talking about that. Yeah. Uh, that, like, it was such this novel thing that there was this movie that they said the F-word so many times. But Goodfellas had come out, what, four years before that? I guess it was because it was a, rom- a romantic comedy. Yeah, well, it wasn't situationally appropriate. It's that was like their way of conversing. And I think there were a couple other movies like Clerks came out this year, too. I think mm. this was the world learning that this is how we really talked. You know, you, you just dropped stuff all over the place. Which a potty mm-hmm. mouth, people. Sing it. Mine's a little different. My dad has a love for all things British, and this film was no exception. He was a huge, huge fan of this. In fact, one year I gave him the screenplay of this film oh, for wow. a uh, birthday present. And I asked him, did he say, hey, do you still have that? And he's like, why would I have that? I never had that. And I'm like, well, I gave it to you as a present. <laughs> he had no memory whatsoever of that. So, <laughs> Oh, one of dad. his most treasured gifts for his son. <laughs> 
said, well, it should be on your bookshelf since it's been there since about 2006, but never mind, Dad. It's mostly um, dust at this point. I um, I didn't see it then. It was They were promptly like, we don't think you should be watching this. Although by this point, I was watching R-rated films, but it was uh, like you. I mean, it was a talky rom-com. I had no interest in it. I probably watched it, um, I don't know, high school college okay. somewhere in there to pick it up because i mean yeah i fancy myself a film nerd so i was like yeah i'm gonna watch this thing because it got all this deal i remembered it being um honestly i remember it being heavier um okay. i remembered it being because i mean not a lot happens it's a lot of dialogue and it's a lot of you it helps to be in your late 20s early 30s angsty about romance and love and when you're going to find the one and all that stuff and when you're a younger kid you're not burdened with that load mm-hmm. so you're just like all right, these guys are making mountains out of molehills kind of thing, you know? Um, but it still hit me um, just as when I watched critically for the rewatch for this, um, the character of Gareth is just, you know, I, I loved him then. I love him now. Um, I mean, he, he was, it was, yeah, my favorite part of the movie. I, I didn't, I easily. didn't see this. So I didn't know who the death was going to be. Oh, wow. I didn't even think about that. I had no so, idea who the death was going to be. So I found it, True, and we're spoiling everything, guys. Again, we say it every yeah, sorry. Yeah, he's 30 years old. Um, don't be a Kyle, go see it. Uh, th- that's good advice for other things, too. Yeah, by the way, it's just a I, good I mantra. Have a t-shirt, by the way, don't be a Kyle. <laughs> I gotta talk to our merch guy. Yeah, we are. We're that is not catching on. Like, what would Jesus do? Um, it was it was shocking to me because I thought it was gonna be Andy McDowell's husband that died. I was like, mm. okay, they're setting this up. She's mm. Obviously, they're going to end up together at the end of the movie. Hugh Grant, and Andy McDowell. She's marrying this much older man. That's how they're going to get out of this. He's going to drop dead. So when Gareth, like, it shockingly it dies, it it, yeah. it, it I would I couldn't believe it. Yeah, and I was like, oh, my favorite character. And Which, it's heart wrenching too because he's like, it hits you so much harder because I, they the made him such knowing it. Wow. a lovable. Yeah, yeah. I know it wasn't even on my radar that it was going to be him that died. Wow. Yeah. Um, that must've been really cool. Cause I knew, I mean, knowing what's going to happen, you're watching for, you know, certain clicks and tropes and things that the film right. is doing. And I found them. Um, I'll discuss it when we get to plot, but yeah. So anyway, I, this movie had been on my radar for a very long time. I probably seen it two or three times prior to this rewatch. Um, but not, um, I, I just felt it was, it was, it was a little heavier. Than it yeah. ended up being this time. Okay. So interesting. So let's talk plot, man. Yeah. So uh, I kind of set up my summary. You know, it's it's a lot of hanging out. You know, it's this totally. group. Totally. It's this group of friends, and I don't mean that as a negative. Um, it's this group of friends that you never find out how they all know each other. I mean, a, a few of them are bro- like one of them's brother and sister. You know mm-hmm. that. You know that Matthew and Gareth are in a relationship together. Mm-hmm. But other well, than that. There was a deleted scene. Did you know about that? Yeah, yeah, I read about that, and I read about how Mm -hmm. they're all, how they're friends, and Mm -hmm. and the deleted the 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 thought that like Gareth was like he was a lecturer or something. He was the yeah he was like their college professor. Like Charles and Fiona and Matt all went to college together, Mm -hmm. and Gareth was their professor. And I'm glad they. I hate that. Like that's that's creepy. That one of the guys, like that the partner was his professor. Like that's. That's not a good. That's not a good look yeah. for anybody. Like we don't and they, don't, it, don't do that. It, yeah. And Scarlet, they she just was under the table one day after a party, and they let her move in. I'm like, that's a little Phoebe from Friends. Let's just have this. We can value her without that being that well, important. For half the movie, I thought that she was uh, Charles's sister. 
Oh, my like, father-in-law still thinks it. I assume like, that she was his sister. Yeah, that, that they just have such an affectionate little big brother, little sister relationship that the movie totally leans into that. So, and yeah. it, it takes nothing away if it, if that's the case. You know, no, it doesn't. It also takes so. nothing away that I don't know their relationship because I just know mm-hmm. they're friends, and that's like that's fine. I don't, I don't totally. need to know. Just like you don't know. I also read that you don't know what they do for a living. Mm-hmm. Because Richard Curtis said, why would they sit around and talk about what they do for a living at a wedding? Which is like so doesn't track in real life. Go to a wedding. All people do is talk about what they do for a living. And then they hand you a business card. I'm like, I'm 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 good, man. I'm That's sorry. Good. I'm trying to get drunk uh on this open bar. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to no thank you. No thank you. <laughs> Kids, don't be like Kyle. It's our new theme song. <laughs> don't be a Kyle. Don't be a Kyle. <laughs> Um, that hurts. All right, I I think we decided to drop on the pretenses. I'm gonna I'm gonna be real with you. Um, I I was disappointed. Yeah. Watching this film, I was disappointed. I thought it was gonna be heavier. Um, mm-hmm. lot of fluff. Um, it's a rom com, so I'm trying not to be like, man, every, where's my gravitas? But it revolves around Charles falling in love with Carrie. That's our plot. I mean, they tell you right away it's going to be four weddings and a funeral. That you know exactly what you're going to put your paces through. Um, quite frankly, I don't like Carrie. Well, Carrie's not a character. She's, this, this is your second lead in a Best Picture nominated movie, and mm-hmm. she is absolutely not a character. She's just like this thing to be desired, but not really because we never find anything out about her. We know that she works for Vogue, and we know that she likes to have sex. And that's and is, is a bit of a gold digger. If you follow <laughs> yeah, the logic, they talk about true. she's but, marrying this bloke who owns half of Scotland, and that's the only thing we know about their relationship. But yeah, and I mean, she's unfaithful to uh, to her fiance. Shockingly unfaithful to the point of just I, I, I bounced into this so hard because he's he sets up to you know I have an interest. We have we didn't even have a meet cute. We have a glance wink. Like they have one line of dialogue. And Does he call a compliment on her hat? And that's yeah. it. And, well, and then she's like, oh, I thought too bad. You're not coming back to this place. I, I thought we could hang out. We yeah. haven't met. We haven't established a link. We haven't done anything. And then all of a sudden they're at the boatman. And then all of a sudden they're hooking up and I'm just like, okay, cool, whatever. I mean, I'm not here to morally judge our fictional characters, but there doesn't seem to be a lot here other than I went to a wedding, got drunk and hooked up with a person once. Right. And Absolutely. suddenly we're all treating it like true love. Fiona's jealous of her. And and this is where I was talking about the functionality of Gareth in this film is to authenticate Carrie. He's the one that every time says we had the most charming girl at our table it was Carrie. Oh, um, I met her. I love this girl. When she starts to give her speech, yeah. he's always there reinforcing that this is a good choice Charles is making. Well, yeah, the um, movie has to tell you that, hey, yeah. they're great together because yeah. they never show us that they're great together. <laughs> they just And I, they're not. I, oh, well, there's there's nothing there to. For, is she is she ADR'd by the way? Just oh, to, so Kayla and I watched this together. I actually watched this in two chunks, and and I'll get into that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so much of this is ADR. So much of this movie is ADR. But mm-hmm. Kayla really was having trouble. Not trouble. Like she could hear it fine because it's ADR. But she mm-hmm. was really having an issue with Andy McDowell's voice. She kept saying like, "Is is she?" Did she record these lines later? Because she didn't know what ADR is. Yeah. But she was like, "What? what's wrong with her voice? Why does it sound so weird? Like, it's like Bane from The Dark Knight Rises. She's just booming from everywhere. Yeah. And she is so um, precise 
with almost every line. I mean, everyone else is just charmingly riffing off each other, and hers is just stuck in the mud every time she talks. Yeah, like, it's a on, really let's get there. Let's get it's there. a really poorly written character for a movie that was nominated for best screenplay. Um, oh yeah, yeah. yeah just... I was I was really surprised how little I. It was. It's kind of like um, there's a lot I like about this movie, but I don't buy the core relationship. And if you don't <laughs> buy the core relationship, that that's that's you know, the movie's got one t- arm tied behind its back the whole time. Then like, I'll go you, I'll go you one better. As this film went on, I don't like Carrie. I don't like Carrie. I mean, she's fine when we meet her. I don't like her when all of a sudden she breaks his heart and doesn't care. And then she's cheating on a fiance intentionally. Come on back to me. Come up to my hotel room for a nightcap. As I don't like Carrie, I start to not like Charles because he likes her so much. Hmm. So now the movie's in real trouble with me because now I don't like my two leads at all because he's an idiot falling after something that I think is really bad, especially I found so egregious her coming to him at at Gareth's funeral. Let's talk about that thing you said to me outside. Really, dude, right now, I just I'm burying my friend and you want to talk about that right now. I keep wondering. First of all, I couldn't understand why they were all at Carrie's wedding. I get why Charles mm-hmm. is at Carrie's wedding. I don't understand mm-hmm. why the rest of them are at Carrie's wedding. And then I don't understand why Carrie is at Gareth's funeral. Like, yeah, none of them know her. It, no. that, that is clear. It may not mm-hmm. be defined how they all know each other, but we know they know each other. None of them know her. What mm-hmm. a, I get why. Well, I don't get why. Why you would invite <laughs> the guy that you hooked up with. <laughs> twice to your wedding <laughs> that doesn't make any sense to me um but okay they have a relationship i suppose but no one else is there like hey brandon uh i'm gonna invite you to this wedding we don't really know each other but you're a guy from work and come on to my wedding also bring six of your friends that's sure. totally cool yeah how is he how does charles explain it to him by the way oh let's not be late that girl that i hook up with at all of those other weddings she's getting hitched now so I'm going to go try and play my hand one last time. You guys want to come? Of course. I know you have a waste coast. Let's go. So, so yeah, I, yeah, I had an issue with that. So like I said, I watched this in, in two chunks. Um, mm-hmm. I, I stopped it uh, the first time at the title card for Carrie and Hamish's wedding. Okay. Um, so you watched the first three. I watched weddings? the, the work. I watched no, the, the first, first two weddings, weddings which okay. is the first hour of the movie. That's I think, act, I, act I, think I, two, I, I think say. I had 45 minutes left when I hit mm-hmm. pause. Um, and, and the, it was fine. Um, I thought it, you know, it was really breezy. Not, not a lot. It's just people that my big takeaway with the first half was like, I don't know if I'm really into this movie. It's okay. You know, I'm, I'm looking at it from the lens of, Oh my gosh, this was this cultural phenomenon that was yeah. nominated for these awards. And so I'm having trouble trying to reconcile that with the movie I'm watching because it just seems so light and breezy. Like I said, I didn't feel anything for their relationship. I liked yeah. the cast. I liked the ensemble. I thought yeah. Mike Newell did a really good job of putting you in that place of attending weddings in your 20s, the kind of lounging around with your friends and drinking, and maybe you're sitting in the uh, in the foyer afterwards, and you're not really in yes. the, the hall anymore. Like You're all yes. just kind of laying on each other, and that that really brought me back to a specific place and time in my yes. life. That I enjoyed, and I thought it did a great job of capturing that ambiance of 
being at a friend's wedding in your 20s, what it's like, everybody's going out afterwards, you know. Yeah, and but when, you're going to end you're up kind playing of the, Scrabble at someone's house. Yeah, yeah. But, and before you have your traditional family, you know, in your 30s, for us, in your 30s and mm-hmm. your 40s, that family that you have with your group of friends. Sure. Um, so I really enjoyed that. And and there's some solid jokes, I thought. Yeah. I, like, I thought it was I thought it was funny. Um, the scene, him giving the speech, uh, mm-hmm. like there, there's some, there's some funny stuff in there. Um, and then, then I, then I started it again Yeah, with the, the last, you know, the carries the laugh a minute ending. That you and then, into. and I, it was so interesting to have it broken up like that. Cause I got the movie a little more. I got the mm-hmm. hype around the movie. Cause I watched all of the dourness and all yeah. of the, um, matureness in one sitting and I haven't gone back and I haven't watched the whole thing. I've seen this movie once, uh, but I, I, st- I started to, I really appreciated the performances in the last hour of the movie. Um, Chris and Scott, Scott Thomas, first of all, is in a different film than everyone else acting wise. Like yep. she is so good in this as Fiona. Yes. When she explains uh, to, to Charles that she's always been in love with him and she will always yes. love with him. And that's a really good scene because you can tell he genuinely cares for her, but it's not love. And, and she's almost, it, she just needs to get it off her chest. She knows nothing's going to come out of it, but I thought that was played so well. And then of course you have the shocking death, which I thought was so well done with all the friends standing around him. And then that incredible scene of, it's Andy McDowell's giving her speech and they start yeah. listening for he's a jolly good fellow or no, she's not giving her. Someone's giving a speech and, and Hugh Grant has to go across the room of everybody yeah. celebrating and go to Matthew and like ruin his life. Yes. And the look um, of anguish and hurt on his face of doing that just opposed with Matthew being like, eh, well, I'm, I'm at a wedding doing our thing. Right guys. What's up, Charlie? And then just the that, world that was so strong. Around. And then, and then the funeral, um, which is brilliant. It's brilliant. That that poem that he reads, which is I it's by W.H. Auden, but I don't remember the name of it. It's like it's like it's called eulogy. It's called eulogy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. And and the touches in that where um the he's he's called his best friend. Like he mm-hmm. can't be called his partner. The yeah. word I don't think the word gay is ever said in the nope. movie. Um, you know, so this it was pretty. I assume it was pretty progressive at the time. I was trying to put myself back in that time. Um, but this yeah, is I post Philadelphia. So. You know, this is yeah, the, but they, they do the Philadelphia trope though. Yeah. It's they have um, they have those those the young um nineties young gay men in the funeral that scene. Yes. I, I noticed I'm like, guys, we're st- we're still doing this in Hollywood, okay? Like, you know, they have those younger, thinner men that, that are portrayed that way. And I noticed Garrett's father is angry the so i couldn't tell that that i was going back and forth on this i couldn't tell if that was grief face you know they have no lines garrett's parents he's but but matt matthew is sitting with them he rides with them in the car car. like so i don't know i don't know if that's just an extra uh not an extra but a featured extra acting sad I oh, know. I see what you're saying. Like he's outside of the bounds there. No, I took it as a deliberate choice. Like I'll go along with this, but I'm not happy about yeah. this. My son deserves different. Well, you know, and you see that it's, it's very intentionally shows you that he, it's a working class city. Mm-hmm. Gareth obviously comes from a working class background where, mm-hmm. you know, that's going to be a lot less common or not common. It's probably just as common, but um, not as accepted in that background, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I, I thought that was really interesting. Like to me, 
I wanted that movie. I'm so much more invested in Matthew and Gareth that yeah. I than these two characters that I I don't care well, about. Like you are I wanted to the what? scene with with Fiona and telling him I love you. It's okay. Friends is still quite something. That two minutes had more heart than the twelve minutes we spend with Carrie and Charlie talking about her ex lovers and him stammering through I I think I love you and I like the connection and emotion that they were able to pack in that two two minute scene where she's just admitting her love and saying goodbye to the hope of it ever coming to fruition in the same moment. I was more emotionally invested in those people easily than I ever would have been in, in the whole Carrie thing. Well, absolutely. And then you've got after the funeral, you've got the fantastic exchange as uh, Tom and, and Hugh Grant, uh, Fiona's brother, Tom, who's kind of the rich doofus, like who I Just thought the punching bag of that movie. Man. I found him so funny. Uh, <laughs> I like, I thought he was so funny in the movie. Um, I, I enjoyed him the whole time. Um, but, but then he gets the nice emotional speech yeah. uh with with uh charles where they're talking about love and you know maybe i'll settle down and and then i love the the hugh grant hugh grant is very good in this i wasn't sure at yeah. first like the first half i wasn't sure he's so charmingly befuddled and he never yeah. makes eye contact with anyone and i and i always laugh he's he's a he's a character that glasses are just a prop because sometimes yes. they're on, sometimes they're off. I'm like, I, what's yes. his? How is his vision? Because the glasses <laughs> seem. What is the prescription <laughs> Charles is working with here at this point? But he says, you know, this whole life. I'm I'm paraphrasing it because I haven't seen this movie enough to memorize it. But you know, we're all so proud of being single, and we all talk about being single all the time. Is we've mm-hmm. we've failed to notice that two of us were married. Yeah. You know, our two friends were married this whole time. They were in a committed, loving relationship. Um, yeah. as we're talking about this thing that we're searching for and this thing we'll never do. I, I thought that was beautiful. And, and so that the movie got a lot of points for me going into that, that after that one hour mark, the funeral specific area is the meat of the story. I think, cause I mean, number one, first wedding, we're just setting up what we're doing. Second wedding, we're elaborating and pushing our plot. When the funeral shows up though, I think it's important to, Tom is coming to Charles with this idea of lower your standards, accept reality. And right. he's not saying it, but there's a current of grow up in, in what Tom's telling him. And I took it this way as he just got this information about Fiona. She's married and off the table. I thought he was going to pivot to Fiona, honestly. Yeah. The first time I ever saw it because he's like, Lower your expectations. Okay, well, I have this person I care about. She loves me. I obviously am incapable of ever climbing this mountain myself, and this carry things never happened. Okay, I'll do it. That would have been a little too tidy, and I'm glad they didn't do it. I don't think I think Fiona's so well written that she wouldn't have allowed that. No, she's definitely she knows the score. Yeah, she you know. Yeah, but I and she was strong enough of a character. Like you know, she was never woe is me. She was just oh well, this is the hand I've been dealt, and I'll play it out and that kind of thing. But when Tom has his moment and then you don't see who the invite is for, for a second, for Charles's wedding. Right. I thought, are we going to go to that place? Now, I'd seen the movie already, so I knew it. But the first time I saw it, I thought, I, I bet he gets it with Fiona. No, I did too. I, I, like, I, there was general, genuine tension there for me. Like, who is going to be this person that's, that's yeah. at, that he's getting married to? First, I was like, because we, we already know. No, we don't know that. that they, but she kisses him at the funeral. Right? Carrie kisses. Ugh. Yes, after I, telling him you're you're lovely. 
it, and this is Carrie, this is just what, back off. Oh, this is a week after her wedding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, the, yeah no. the, Carrie's infidelity, even in the face of true love, I, I could not get, I could not get around, man. The second she says, "This is my fiance," the next words out of my mouth are, "Have a good life." I'm done. Like you're, you're a big old bag of crazy woman. <laughs> Go back to the states. I can't take this. But because- she, I, you know, she's she is. I guess I would think that if she was m- more written, I just don't think that there's any conscious thought to her character. It's like she just has to be a series of roadblocks. She's just she's just plot contrivances for Hugh Grant's character to bump off of the whole movie instead yeah, of being but- an actual character herself. That's a fair point, and I and, and I think that you've hit a pretty good nail on the underdevelopment of her. But what they did give her expressly makes her an unlikable person. Yeah, like you're cheating, you're lying, you're obviously way too careless with people's emotions. Um, and I bounced really hard into what when she's like, "I think we've missed a good opportunity here." Back before they're single, which I know it takes like months before she's engaged, so she's probably still dating Hamish the first time we meet her. But what else? Right. She's like, we both missed an opportunity and then leaves. I have to go back to the States. They had telephones in 1994. Mm-hmm. Why, why, why can't we be like, she had to get on a steamer line? ship and she was gone Apparently. <laughs> three months to cross the Atlantic. <laughs> and those things sink all the time. We'll get to that. Movie. In a movie just... where technology doesn't exist. <laughs> and rich people drive Range Rovers that can go to the Sahara. I, 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 I didn't understand. I kept waiting for that to pay off in some way. I didn't understand. Yep. Um, but yeah, so then but, the, the wedding, they, there's a lot of shorthand with, yeah, it's the lady that he dated before that I guess you see a couple times at some of the weddings. Well, yeah, she's crazy Henry. Yeah, like she's been, right. she was a sad sack at one. And, but I did, I love the scene when she's like, oh God, Charlie, I couldn't marry you. You'd have to marry Fiona and all that other stuff. And when she leaves, um, when Fiona comes up, it's like, how's duck face? And he just says, good form, actually. You know, I, I thought she did pretty well. Like, I love his still championship of her. Eh, she's not that crazy today. You know, good yeah. for her. Yeah, she did like, all right. He wasn't. He. They play him as obviously very fast and loose and callous with the, his exes and telling stories on them, but never menacingly or like emotionally abusive to them or anything like that. He's like, hey, yeah, she did do okay. You know, she's doing all right. Yeah, no, so, I think he's a, he's a, he's supposed to be a nice guy. Like he didn't, yeah. he's not intentionally hurting these women. I think he likes these women and it, it doesn't work out because he runs away from relationships or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. But they definitely make her hateable. Like in just a few scenes, they've got her at the mirror. I know she like pushes a bridesmaid out of the way. I'm like, Oh, we're supposed to hate her. Okay. I got it. Yeah. This is, this is a movie that is not, um, there's not going to be any subtlety or nuance. In this. <laughs> and they don't have time. They're they too don't. busy shoehorning Rowan Atkinson in. Mr. Bean's got to be in here somewhere. I mean, uh, I remember on today's episode of what Brandon bumped into hard. <sighs> I Rowan Atkinson is not for me. That is not your cup of tea at all. That humor is not for me. And it goes on in these movies. Like two things. The, 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 when he's the vicar and can't do the service, yeah, boy, they made a meal out of that scene. And then when Charlie's locked in the room, when the couple are having sex, that that's Richard Curtis. Here that is, is that is that broad body, uh, like and, British style of humor. It goes on for five minutes, and then they come back to it. I, I found the I found the scene of him locked in the room when his his friends are having sex painfully unfunny, and and then, it's a one note joke. Yeah, exactly. And they've so mm-hmm. committed to that joke 
that mm-hmm. oh my god, you're in for a long you're in for a mm-hmm. long haul uh, of of waiting that joke out. And it's not that I don't like body jokes or whatever. I just didn't think that was that funny. It's and they not. committed to it so hard. The Roy yeah. Atkinson thing, um, I do remember around this time conversation or about Rowan Atkinson being in this and being really funny. And yeah, I was pretty let down by that one scene. I mean, he's in two scenes. There's the one where Kristen yeah. Scott Thomas says something tawdry to him and he gives a look yeah. like, oh, 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 heavens. And then, yeah. um, and then, too, I mean, yeah. And then, the, and then the wedding where he can't remember his lines. I did think it was a little funny at first. And then it goes on and it goes, I'm like, we're going to watch yeah. him do the whole service. Yes. We're going to watch are. him do the whole service. You are. Um, yeah. I, like I said, he was in a totally different movie for a movie that felt very grounded in its humor, felt very grounded in its dialogue. Then you've got Mr. Bean as a, a vicar, which doesn't make yeah. sense to me. And but. just flopping around with it. That guy's face, by the way, it's, it's, and this is what he's famous for. It, it, it's too emotionally expressive when he is like that scene with it, with Fiona, when she's, you know, comparing his job to sex and he's just like, no, it, it looks like, why would you get Rowan Atkinson if you didn't want that effect? And that well, effect does not fit in this film. Well, and, but I, I, I want to go on the record and say, I do like Rowan Atkinson. I do like Mr. Bean. I, I always thought Mr. Bean was funny. I'm one of the yeah. few people that saw the Bean movie with Peter McNichol, which I think Richard Curtis wrote on. I'm sure um, he did. I mean, they're, uh, they're threaded through all that stuff. So. I, I, like, I think he's funny. I think his scene in Love Actually is funny. I, like, I, he was fun. I think Black Adder's funny. So, I, I am a Rowan Atkinson fan. Um, yeah, but I, I didn't. Me. I didn't think he was. Maybe I. Maybe it needed to be 1994. Maybe, maybe it's 2023, and I've seen this scene before in movies, and I, I don't know. Maybe I would have thought fair. it was really funny when I was younger. But it I don't didn't, know. didn't do. It. I, I'm I'm sure if I watch Mr. Bean for the first time today, I wouldn't find it funny. I've got a lot of yeah. nostalgia there. I think that also there could have been a, um, like you say, that second half of the film is pretty dour. Yeah. Maybe like bump up the jokes. Let's get a little more slapstick in here or something like that. I don't know. Interestingly enough, right uh, while we're talking about the the locked in the cupboard for the sex scene, this is a fun movie to watch with your in laws. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of writing on my pad being like, well, we're still doing this. And it, my note taking turned into like apocalypse. Now I'm like, we're six minutes in and it's still going on. <laughs> my father-in-law is looking at me. He's not happy. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, it was indulgence. Oh man. Yeah. You never want to, that's a bad, that was a bad move on your part. Yeah. Getting, well, getting the in-laws involved in this. I'm um, in my forties. I think we can all just be adults for the six minutes. This goes on, but whatever. And then, and then you're to uh, Charlie's wedding, which we're talking about. Yes. And uh, Andy McDowell shows up to tell him she's divorced. Yes. One second, though. How great is the fake out? I love it. I love that. Being, I thought that, that was that, so funny. Genuinely funny. Perfect. When he's bastards, when he comes back to the truck and they all go for coffee. I was like, this is exactly what friends do to one another. I want to see. I want to watch this movie about friends. I like this yeah. movie about this group of friends. I find that. Yes. I don't need the. The Charles and Carrie, which it's I get that's what the movie's about, and that's what the mm-hmm. movie wants to talk about. But it did the other things so much better, establishing their relationship as a group of friends. Maybe it's something I can just relate to that more, and I can't relate to the other thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, well, it's also I think it's an atmosphere in search of a plot. You know, yeah, it is a very very simple plot, and they don't they take their time to get to it because they've got such this great little sandbox to play in with all the other stuff happening on. But anyway, going to yeah, I don't Carrie know if I've ever up. seen. Uh, a movie with more second unit directing on it where it's just like 
shots of people at weddings and dancing around. Oh, it, 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 it captures that very well. So yeah, yeah they, they, they get, uh, but then she shows up to tell him that she's actually divorced and uh, just, just a... can't believe that marriage didn't work out. But doesn't, isn't it implied that he's the one that was the scumbag or no, she said it was mutual, right? Like we're both. She said, yeah, well, the last time I married a man twice my age, it was hell in March. April was sorted because we don't care. There's nothing invested in her other relationships either. Yeah. Hamish was just this thing that was stopping her from being with Charlie. He's not a real person either. So who cares if they break up? Yeah. She's not a bad person for the things she's done. She's not even Charles is like, no, no, sit down. It's okay. Oh, I'm so, I'm so confused about what I should do because my true love is here. Dude, like pick a lane, man. Well, and, like, and, why, why are you doing this? I want to say a few things about her character because I don't want it to come off as me being dismissive. I think the writer is being dismissive. I don't have an issue with her liking hooking up with people. I, I like I don't have an issue with the scene where she talks about all the partners that she's had. That doesn't bother yeah, that's, me. That's, that's fine. Not like a, yeah, even if the infidelity, if they explored it and addressed it, that might be. Mm. But that might like let's 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 talk about this. Let's. Let's yeah. not use it as just a plot point. It's like they don't want you to remember that she's with someone. You just want they want like them to be together, um, enjoy them being together again. And it's like, but as I think you and I, the way we watch movies, we're like, wait a second. Um, yeah. So I want the movie to to give her a little more and make her make her a character. I just keep yeah, going back to that. I don't necessarily think that Andy McDowell did anything wrong. Like in her performance, I don't no, want it to she sound has like one that. really bad line reading in the rain at the end. Well, she has two because I I thought the the scene where um, at Gareth's funeral, no one looks at anybody in this movie ever. They no. all sort of just look like to the side and talk out the side of their mouth. But when she was, I love what you said. The inflection she gives and the way she's appear. I'm like. Why? Number one, I, you already know. I hate the fact that you're here, and I hate the fact that the scenes are happening. But <laughs> her delivery of it is: Did you lose a bet? Like you seem to be pained by. Hey, I just showed up to tell you I wanted to talk about how you told me you love me, and I didn't replicate it, or I didn't reciprocate it. Um, okay, that's all I've got. Two times she does this. She does it there. She does it at his wedding. She comes. She drops her little bird's seagull poop on his head. Flies away and he has to go. No, wait, stop. Hang on. She just she keeps showing up and throwing grenades in his life. And <laughs> and is exiting stage left when he goes, Hey, wait a minute. I want to chat about this for a second. Like, what was her plan? Oh, that feels better. I'm gonna go back to America now and I'm never gonna think of you again because I have no morals. <laughs> back like, back on my steamer ship. I just there the way, and you're right, it's the writers, it's the film that's not helping this character at all, but the way that, I mean, I started getting angry at this person. Wow. Like I had a, how dare you when she shows up at his wedding, like you already crapped on this guy's life. And then that's when our old boy, Charlie, he shows his most selfishness. And I love his brother and Matthew are always his voices of reason. Yep. Gareth would go with him anywhere because gareth just wants to see what's going to happen next he would never be like oh i don't think this is a good idea charlie and tom's doesn't have agency to stop anything but matthew is like uh let's think about this what do you really think can you tell me what you're thinking no i don't think i can okay well we're gonna have to move you along here that that but again we're it's the friends that come to save it you know that scene with the brother at the altar is beautiful because of the performance between him and the and david well, I love that they've established. I, I thought, first of all, I thought it was really cool um, that his brother 
uh, was deaf. Um, I, I thought that was a private, like it, honest conversations all the time. I love that. I love that, yeah. that plot device of them being able to have those private conversations. And I wondered if it was going to pay off in some way, or if this was just, you know, just trying like a, trying to be more diverse in his sure. writing, but then it does pay off. Cause then at the end, it's basically up to Hugh Grant what he wants to do. He can yes. he can misquote what his brother's saying, or he can. Act. Yes. I was shocked that he actually was saying what he that he was actually repeating what his brother was saying. I thought mm-hmm. he would maybe flower it up a little bit, or at first start to dumb it down, not dumb it down, start to not make be honest innocent. about it, make it yes. innocent. And the fact yes. that he fully went for it and fully said everything that he was saying, I thought that was a really good scene. Um, I loved it, and I love that they throw in the. By the way, your flies open. Because yeah. that's what you would do to your brother. In that's that a moment, brother, you know? Yeah. And uh, that was gorgeous. Um, I didn't, I mean, it's a rom-com. So there's rom-com tropes everywhere. I didn't even it mind is. Henrietta decking him and then them fading out. No, know? that's it, it. Like you said, that's a rom-com. That's yeah. We're fine with that. I loved the scene where they're all in the room post his wedding. And Tom finally gets a win when he's like, well, if you didn't want to marry today, you know, and, and Fiona's like, quite right, Tom. You know, like that's a solid point. I like she's growing up a little bit too. You know, she is. You know. And Tom, who by the way, who was ready to settle for someone, finds yes. his true love at the wedding, who's his cousin. So there's some good old fashioned English inbreeding among the uh, aristocracy <laughs> there. And, Quite right. Good show. <laughs> I thought splendid. <laughs> but yeah, good old Tom. He can have his uh, three eyed kids or whatever. That's great. <laughs> Y'all have iron deficiencies. <laughs> Um, oh man! But yeah, um, I, I did like that where they were all they were all together, kind of after at the, the, the post. The, yes, the post and Fiona's game. delivery of yes, Charlie. I believe what you've done has been quite unforgivable. You know, like they're not going to sugarcoat it for him. And I loved Matthews wearing a Gareth Wakes coat at Charlie's wedding. I loved that. Oh, I didn't even notice that. It's this horrendous orange and blue concoction under his suit, and I'm like, oh, that's, boy, Matthew, that's wonderful. I mean, t- yeah. best relationship in the movie. By far, by I mean, far. But they, yeah. I mean, and the one point when they're all at the crappy wedding, it might have been Carrie's, I can't remember, but Garrett's like, oh, Matthew's tr- he's stuck with a uh, evangelist from Minnesota. Like, it he's is. laughing at his, his, you know, his husband's yeah. terrible situation. Like, Garrett's just the best. Everything he says is wonderful. He's the only one that gets Tom's horrible speech. Yep. Like, he's great. He always crack it. Simon, Simon Callow gives a, a wonderful uh, performance. The, um, I will give you Oscar Wilde's fax number. I busted out laughing oh, yeah. at that one. I was like, that is brilliant writing right yeah. there. It's good. There's, there's, so, there's good, there's good jokes in this. There's good right for, for as much as we've decried the writing, there's some solid writing in this movie. The dialogue is top notch. The, yeah. um, and even what they're trying to do with, um, getting Hugh Grant and later Andy McDowell to end their decision on. I do because mm-hmm. it's a trope about, it's a film about weddings. Eh, okay fine i get it whatever i'll go with you on that mm-hmm. but you're right when they when she rings his doorbell which this was once again she's like i'm just checking to see if you're okay i'll go now like woman oh just email come on man <laughs> um but when she um that's some very that's a poor performance in that rain her her delivery of is it is still it raining rain? i hadn't noticed yes. is, oh, is is awful i, I wrote out ugh and my note, I was like, give me a freaking break. Come I wrote on, terrible delivery. Hey, look at we, that. Look at us. We both hate the same things. Um, <laughs> well, and then also, they, and then what? No, you go. What's, he, he totally loves her. 
Uh, like well, Brandon, they've got said, such a strong relationship. <laughs> he even said, I think I love you earlier because he's, you know, stammering and all that jazz. Charles, you need to mourn what you've just done to Henrietta at this point. This is where I'm starting not to like Charlie. He's downshifting yeah. as fast as Carrie, and it's pulling the character under for me. Now, it works because Hugh Grant is a charming devil of a human being. Like, he is top-notch in this film. And it's hard not to watch this movie now without love actually on our shoulder, whispering. Very much. Us, which is a movie everybody loves. So cool, whatever. But the more they're going to end up together, and the, more, the, the, the path the movie takes to get them there... I started having issues with Charlie more and more. Sorry. Yeah. I know I keep beating that point, but it just, uh, I really ground my gears. No, I, that's fine. I, I get that. Um, and then at the end, they decide not to get married. Like they'll still stay together as long as they don't get married. I, I want to yeah. say before that, this is a movie that very much believes that love at first sight. And it's trying to tell you about love, which is, I don't believe is a thing. That's mm -hmm. not a concept I believe in. Um, mm -hmm. So maybe that's hard for me to get behind that because yeah. much like Romeo and Juliet, like when we, which when Kayla and I saw West Side Story, she had a problem connecting with West Side Story because she never believed their relationship. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and I'm kind of like that with this. Like if you're not willing to sit down and go, oh, they saw each other and they fell in love because that's the thing that happens then. And I don't know if the movie presents, does a good job of presenting it that it was love at first sight. It was no. lust at first sight, but it never really, they never show us making it, making their relationship, making that transition from lust into love. It's just lust into lust into lust into, I have to be with this person. Like, yeah, I, I, well, I, I mean, I, we don't spend enough time with them other right. than figuring out how to get over the obstacle. It tries to do it with the scene where they go wedding dress shopping together yeah. and they have, but I don't feel like that's a strong enough scene. And I think it that's, comes a little too late into the movie. For, well, that scene didn't know what it wanted to be. Yeah, it, 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 it wants to be let's give Carrie cuteness and cheekiness and let her. But even even that scene, I hated her because she's like, well, I'll wear this at my next wedding. And it's like you're already telling this man that, you know, is in love with you you're that hated. I'm not I'm not really going to. I don't really love the guy I'm getting married to. I, I mean, like, get Brandon, the knife out of his side. Brandon hates Carrie. Brandon hates Jenny. I've got some, I'm sure I'm there was a female protected. character that you hated in quiz show. I mean, you must have loved Shawshank because there's no women in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you about Rhea Hayworth. That's a, no, I don't want to be that, that trollop. <laughs> um, if anybody need to take a steamership, it was her. No. Um, and then, of course, it has to hit us over the head with the lightning bolt at the end. Yeah. Did you catch that? Lightning uh, has to strike. And oh, I did. Yes. Oh, and it and it's the worst CGI of it's 1994 CGI. Of a hey, we've movie. had dinosaurs walking this movie. Brand, this movie was made for what you find in your couch cushions. I'm just saying we you can do this better or just put a camera. It's England. It rains every day there. Put a camera in this. It wasn't whatever. even supposed to be raining in that scene. They just didn't have money for a tent. Uh, and then um, they decide not to get married. Yeah, which, do you read that as an indictment of marriage? I absolutely read that as an indictment of marriage, which I thought was interesting because then we have the montage, the photo montage at the end, which Brandon, we get a photo montage at the end um, of everybody else getting married. Yes. And I'm like, wait, so what is this? Uh, what's the thesis of this movie then? If it's like marriage is, isn't for, I guess, marriage isn't for Charles, but it yeah. is for everyone else. Like he can't be married to be happy. But then what is marriage? Like what? I don't get. And if, if you're saying you don't need to be married, Liz, Matthew and Gareth weren't married and, and they were fine. They were, you know, ostensibly married, but not under the eyes of the law or whatever. Yeah. And then Charles is going to commit to that. But then you show everyone else getting married and including they, Matthew. 
including Matthew, which I didn't. Which love. was weird. I didn't love seeing him with anyone else. I just want him to mourn Gareth for the rest of his life. <laughs> Sit in a dark guy. room and read that poem over and over again. Um, but then we have to get the the photo of of Carrie and uh, and Charles with their kid to show yes. like, well, they didn't get married, but they had kids, so everything's fine. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I I, 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 I did I did read that as an indictment of marriage, which I didn't think the movie had earned or that I didn't feel like that was a thesis it was going towards when I didn't he says, either. okay I'm not going to get married I'm like what the hell is that what does that have to do with anything that you've been as a character it's not that you didn't marry Harriet because you don't actually want to be married you didn't love her you loved yeah. another person exactly he wasn't running institution away of marriage yeah, I, I have this big question mark at the end of my, you know, like, why are we, is this indictment of marriage question mark, no buildup, and then lightning strike really ugh. So, you know, I got very distracted in that moment right there, but I bumped hard on that too, because I, I agree with you. I don't think the film spent enough time with some of these serious topics they had. A lot of time with friendship, a lot of time with love, a lot of time with that, yeah. and, I, and that's where it worked, but there were they were trying to hit a couple points that they didn't develop good enough. So, yeah, well, let's let's let. OK, that'll kind of lead us into final thoughts about the movie, I think. I mean, um, you know, Brandon, is this something you'd recommend? What are your final thoughts? I would recommend this film. I would recommend this film as a fun rom-com because that part works. You're like you said, I loved your adjective breezy. Very good way to describe this film. Not a lot of stake here. Not a lot of big things happening in this movie. Um, I, would, I would I think it, it was a. F- I didn't hate it. I mean, as much as I hated Carrie and as much as I'm dissing on it right now, sure. I wasn't I mean, that's what we're here to do, two right? Hours. We're yeah, here to you know. nitpick on things. Exactly. So I wasn't sitting there like, oh, this is a waste of two hours of my life. You know, it was fine. It's fine. It's not high up on mine. I, it'll probably be another 10, 15 before I ever watch it again, to be honest. So, yeah, I, I, I liked it. I mean, it was, I'd like to watch it in one sitting, I think. Um, yeah. To, to see it as a, a full movie. But it was really interesting to watch the two halves. Like you said, I didn't. I had an issue with their relationship. I didn't really buy it. Yeah. But I found everything else so strong. And I found the last act of the movie so moving. And like, really, it's not the last act. It's probably a five act movie. But like the last two acts, I found really strong and um, really elevated it. And I was actually telling people when I'd watched the first half. Um, we had some people over and they were asking, you know, what I was watching. And I, you know, I mm-hmm. told them, I was like, you know, this movie is going to have to have to really shift gears in this last third for me to start liking it or for me to me to get what the hype around this movie was. And I don't yeah. know if I fully get what the hype around it is like a hundred percent for how big it was, but I got it a lot more after seeing, you know, the last third, because I, I do think sure. it's really strong. And we've talked about that. Um, a movie sticking the landing. So yes, I do think definitely. it develops the atmosphere really well. I enjoy that. I enjoy, you know, the friendship, the camaraderie that they all have, and that picture of being having a group of friends in your in your twenties, and then the the shock of the death of one of the friends, which I I really didn't think it was going to be one of the friends. Um, I kept thinking like, who are they going to kill? There's not really any periphery characters in this movie until Hamish came along. And I'm like, Oh, he's dead. Sorry, Scotty. <laughs> you're out of here. <laughs> and then, uh, it's in Ricky over here is not making oh, it. Oh man. Oh, I don't like this. I don't, the things aren't looking good for you there. I'm like captain red shirt. Um, you know, I think it's interesting. I would like, but to... I, but I, but I want to say I, I would, oh, uh, I would recommend it. I think it's, I think it's a good movie and I, I'd watch it again. I was thinking about it versus love actually. And, I prefer this kind of movie to the more like love actually 
feels like it was made by Apple compared to this. Like it is yeah. so calculated and it is so slick. Uh, the yeah. fact that these are the same, this written by the same guy, I guess, in a 10 year difference. It also yeah. really made me notice this is such a delicate, uh, I, uh, really powerful handling of a homosexual relationship. Mm-hmm. It made me realize that there's no, there's no gay storyline in Love Actually. Which is very surprising to me, knowing no where, where Richard Curtis came from. And obviously with this, like this being such a powerful movie about that, um, which I, hmm. I'm sure had a lot to do with its its success, which I hope it had a lot to do with its success. It's a great way, a great handling of the of the um, subject to completely not include something like that in in that's interesting. Uh, I an didn't anthology together, where actually... you have all of these relationships to not have a, a queer relationship. I, I, it really makes me like love actually less thinking about that, <laughs> seeing what you, what he did in four weddings in a funeral, like mm-hmm. what, what the hell, man? Um, but there's no, I'd recommend this. There's some problematic stuff in love. Actually. Oh, I love that. There's a lot of problematic yeah. stuff in love. Actually. I was, I was going to say though, um, I would, I wonder what my thought of this film would be a, if it wasn't nominated for best picture, of course we wouldn't be talking about it. And B, if we weren't criti- critically watching all the best pictures at one time, because yeah. I tried to check that at the door, but I did have moments of very different from what else we've been watching for this podcast. I, it's interesting. Our our friend Nathan Chandler has a podcast called Movies Are Life, and this year he is doing like the fifty best rom coms as mm-hmm. by some you know rank or a screen rant or something like that. And I'm sure he's going to do this. And I think yeah. that's gonna that would be a much different way to watch this movie, looking at it amongst its place in the rom com pantheon, as opposed yeah. to looking at it amongst the great films pantheon. Um, that's a great point. But this is an this is an enjoyable this is an enjoyable uh, movie, and so yeah, I'd recommend it absolutely. Cool, excellent. All right, my friend. Well, then I have to ask you now. We're closing door on love or <laughs> listen to that on four weddings <laughs> and a funeral. Um, what have you been watching lately, other than this? Uh, yeah, you know. Well, we were all since then. We've all had had COVID at the Radford House, and we're all we're all through it now, and that's all done. But that's what we've been doing since the last episode. So, um, one day, Ella was mentioning something about Peter Pan, and I brought up the movie Hook, and I was kind of explaining what the plot of Hook was, like, oh, it's Peter Pan grown up and all that. And she said she wanted to watch it, and uh, she loved it. She was really, really, she really enjoyed Hook. So. Hook has been playing at our house quite a bit, um, which it's funny because I don't think it's a very good movie. Uh, I was going to say, you poor, poor man. <laughs> I know. I don't think it's a good movie. There's things I enjoy about it. I enjoy Dustin Hoffman's performance. I always enjoy Robin Williams' performance. Um, but The Lost Boys, it's stupid. And I mean, it's just stupid. But Ella's yeah. asking me, like, she'll be confused about something on the plot. She'll be like, Dad, why does this happen? And I'm like, ah bad writing ella i don't know i was like there's some things that daddy can't explain with a stupid movie it's just it just doesn't make sense because the screenwriter didn't care and the director was checked out because he was prepping for a jurassic park i don't know i don't know what to tell you baby julia roberts wanted to play a scene where she kissed him that's all i can tell you what do you want sorry why does she get big i honey i don't know why she gets big Magic Congratulations, Ella. you can work in you can be a studio executive because I know they had that exact same question. <laughs> so, yeah, we are. 
I think, luckily, I think it is, uh, it is tailing off. I think we're almost through our hook phase. But she was very proud of herself. She came outside the other day and told me that she uh, watched the Rufio's death scene without looking away. Hey, she might so be she the is, first Radford to get there. Yeah, right. She, she, I said, I, when she didn't watch it at first, I, I told her, I was like, hey, Ella, um, this character is about to get in a sword fight with Captain Hook and he's going to be stabbed and he's going to die. I was like, do you want to watch that? Or we can fast forward through that if you don't want to watch that. And she's like, no, I want to watch it. And then she watched it through her mm-hmm. fingers and then she wouldn't watch it the next few times. And so when she did watch it, she was very proud. And I was like, hey, dad didn't watch that scene growing up. So don't you nice. feel bad about that at all? Anyway, so I think we're almost for done. Those with of, you, for those of you who don't know, that's what watching a, a movie with Kyle Radford's like. Like you, you, you watch, you know, you There's watch Empire tears. Strikes Back and he, like, he pauses. He's like, okay, he's about to tell him he's his father. Okay, let's watch. He just spoils <laughs> the damn thing the entire time. It's exhausting watching movies with you. That's good damn parenting is what that is. <laughs> what are you watching? You smug. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, my kid's watching uh, JFK, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> Back into the left. Son, here's what really happened. <laughs> there's a couple websites i want you to go to when we're done by the no um my father-in-law in town he loves the marvel world and i do too so we went and watched ant-man ah. uh the quantumanium um man this thing's all over the place yeah um i i heard it has it's suffering the worst week two of any marvel film and i totally get that this movie's just it's a stage five jump off point ant-man is barely in this like okay the character's there paul rudd's there charming as ever what are we doing? Like, there's a subplot goes on 45 minutes. They lifted copy and paste from Star Wars. I'm like, I, I heard it's gonna happen. I heard it that's gonna happen. Called Star Wars. Like they were like, this is a Marvel Star Wars movie. Yes, it is. Now, it, it, Mike, my father-in-law. Hey, Mike. He he said it perfectly. He's like, everything I thought I'd get, I got out of that. That's exactly what this movie is. Um, Jonathan Majors who is just everywhere. He's in the new Creed movie. He was Kang, you know, he's Kang in this. He was a version of Kang and Loki. This guy's phenomenal. He is, he is just great. He's from our hometown. He is Georgetown, Texas. Way to go, buddy. Um, Not nearly enough of him in this movie. And I mean, he's the new big bad they're setting up. Yeah. And a lot of the time he's just there, like as cuss or as other characters are doing stuff, he's just, hands behind kind of walking and surveying what's going on when he, when he engages, he's magic. So great. Saved it for me. He was great. Um, I'll probably never watch it again. It's I, yeah. There's those Marvel um, movies that you never, you're like, that's fine. I'll never watch those again. I watched the second Ant-Man, which I hadn't seen in years. And I, it was a lot better than I remember it. I enjoyed it. See, but that was like, this thing wasn't written by Rudd or that other guy. It didn't feel like an Ant-Man. There's no zany, funny, like off the cuffness that that those movies had, you know? Those movies were very grounded. Like it was, it was, it was a nothing script. It was like, hey, it's a comedy and there's a little action. And this, this did look like, I I don't know if you want to set up your Marvel world building for the next phase through an Ant-Man movie. I haven't well, that's seen the thing. it. But... Yeah. That's, I mean, they're like, hey, we need to take someone has to go there so the camera and the audience can go with them. Let's pick Ant Man. Cool. Let's make a movie. That's all we have here. So go watch it if you want, folks. It was not for me. Um, I did go to the theater with the reclining seats. Hadn't done that in about three or four years since pre COVID. That was a nice, nice touch. So that's good nice. job, AMC. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up our episode on Four Weddings and a Funeral. Next week, we're going to be back with our final Best Picture nominee of 1984. I can't believe we're already at the last uh, Best Picture nominee, but I'm excited for this one. We're going to be watching Pulp Fiction, Quentin Tarantino's uh, Pulp Fiction, so that'll be great. Um, 
Brandon, uh, it's, it's nice to see you on an afternoon, an afternoon recording we're doing here. We had a little trouble getting together this week, but everyone, thanks for listening. Uh, like, subscribe, look us up on Facebook, Instagram, follow our YouTube channel. We're going to be posting clips um, from our videos. Uh, really excited about that. And you know something that's happening, I think, between now and the next episode is the Oscars. Yeah, so maybe we need awards. to, we might need to do a little something for the Oscars. I don't know. That'll be what we can do for that, but maybe we'll do a little, a little something. We can have Chris Rock on and ask him if he's watching. There you show. go. Uh, Excellent. So yeah, uh, follow us wherever you follow podcasts. Please rate our podcast on whatever platform you're using. It really helps us out. And you can email us, like I said, at secondbestpicture at gmail.com. So thanks uh, out there in podcast land. Bye.